Welcome to the Accord Research Alliance podcast, where we talk with innovators who are committed to measuring what matters in Christ-centered relief and development. My name is Kristen Chuck, Program Evaluation Coordinator at Water Mission and one of the hosts of this podcast. And today I'm going to share with you a recent conversation I had with a quantitative program effectiveness research specialist, Michaela Cochran of Compassion International. And Michaela works on the program effectiveness research team at Compassion. And in this podcast, she shares with us some of the recent research Compassion has undertaken um, on their programs. So uh, sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. Hi, Michaela. It's great to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Really excited to uh, hear what you have to share with us today. So uh, today we're you and I are going to discuss um, a new study that your team has been working on that looks at the effectiveness of early childhood development programs that Compassion implements around the world, which I'm really excited to learn more about. But before we do that, I was hoping you could maybe start by sharing with our audience just a little bit more about Compassion and your team and yourself. Yeah, so Compassion focuses on uh, helping children get out of generational cycles of poverty through church partnerships and uh, one-to-one sponsorship. So Compassion really sees local churches as one of the key gateways into local communities and really the key players in holistic child development. So currently we work in 25 countries across Latin America, Africa, and Asia, uh, where we are partnered with just under 7,000 churches and sponsor around 1.8 million kids. Now, um, so I joined Compassion, uh, Compassion's research team just after grad school at the London School of Economics, um, LSE, where I studied international political economy research. Um, I've honestly had quite a, a long long-lasting interest in scientific inquiry and social science research. Um, my perception towards research has really been quite along the lines of LSE's motto, actually, uh, rerum cognitive caucus, which means to understand the co- causes of things. Um, so, so I got connected with Compassion as a quantitative research specialist, where I really had the privilege to work alongside 10 really brilliant individuals split between quantitative and qualitative research. Um, We all really come from quite a variety of backgrounds, uh, from international development economics to social development and environmental research, um, from medical research backgrounds and econometric forecasting. So coming from so many backgrounds, you can imagine our rich and really possibly combative combative discussion as we uh, are constantly critiquing our own methods of research. Um, we also have several partnerships with academic institutions with whom we're conducting research as well. One of our most recent studies is underway um, in partnership with Tufts University and Fuller Seminary on positive youth development. So the role of our team is really to help facilitate the evidence part of Compassion's evidence-based programming model. Um, this is really based on our core values, knowing that we, as Compassion, have been entrusted with the funds of generous donors and sponsors to facilitate uh, development programs that get kids out of generational cycles of poverty and really give them a step up in life that they wouldn't have had without the help of Compassion. So the research that we do uh, looked at the magnitude of this step up provided by Compassion, where it exists and where it does not exist. That's great. Thank you so much for that overview, Michaela. It's helpful to know, you know, kind of the makeup of your team and how you came to Compassion and 
Um, certainly, I know our membership is always curious about uh, the stuff you guys are working on. So let's talk about your new research study. So can you give us a bit of an overview of what this study is about? Yeah, so the, the newest study that we're working on looks at the effectiveness of one of Compassion's uh, newer programs called Survival. So the Survival program targets mothers and their newborns um, in taking mothers from the time of conception until the child is two years old. Uh, recently, this changed from the point of conception to birth. Um, so we're all aware of the extensive body of research that says earlier childhood intervention will create larger effects later in life, um, specifically interventions that take place between the ages of zero and one. Now, we also know that child development is dramatically impacted by mother nutrition and stress levels during pregnancy and during the first year of breastfeeding. So the study really looks at the causal relationship between early childhood intervention programs implemented by compassion and development outcomes by age four to eight. So it's a quasi-experimental study that assesses average treatment effect on the treated by propensity score matching. So we've been in a piloting phase for this study over the past three years. Um, we've piloted in four countries so far across Asia, Africa, and South America, and are currently in our fifth and final country for piloting. Um, the study is composed of two surveys, um, one for mothers and one for children. The child survey is really um, a series of games that uh, are quite fun and mm -hmm. to assess the child's cognitive development. Um, all the tools that we use are really um, or have been developed by specialists in child development and organizations that focus on international development, such as UNICEF, UNESCO, and World Bank. That's great. That's really interesting. I'm curious why you might have uh, decided to go with a quasi-experimental study for this. Yeah. Um, so, so our team at Compassion, uh, we focus on causation. Um, so a baseline, inline, or other correlation study really isn't in our scope. And it's not sufficient to answer the types of questions um, that we're asked to, to look into. So our choices really come down to a quasi-experimental study or an experimental uh, RCT. Um, now we all know as researchers that when deciding on study design, we always need to consider the research question at hand. And in our case, the question is, what is the impact of the survival program on youth in preparation uh, for primary school? So this question doesn't really lend itself to randomized allocation of treatment like an RCT. Um, but rather the use of a quasi-experimental design. Um, compassion survival program, like a lot of programs in our field, are allocated on the basis of a certain level of need, among other characteristics. So this allocation of treatment took place five to six years ago. So even if the programs weren't selected, we can't really go back in time to randomly assign treatment as we would in a randomized evaluation. Um, or even if we were to randomly assign treatment now at birth, we'd have to wait five to six years to observe outcomes. So this would mean waiting five to six years until we can inform program design. So what we can do is randomly select among treated participants now at age four to eight and identify um, a counterfactual who's comparable. Now that comparability is then confirmed through propensity score matching. Um, we also uh, 
ensure comparability of our counterfactual by identifying children and their mothers who, who came from the same socioeconomic starting point in life. Um, we have a very specific process for identifying these counterfactual children in such a way that really the original registration process is, in a sense, uh, replicated retrospectively um, to identify other children who would have been eligible to enter the program five to six years ago if there was enough quota. So the comparability of these children and their mothers is really based on having the same level of need at the time of registration, which we, we later re-verify through propensity score matching. Okay, interesting. I'm curious why you decided to focus um, your efforts here specifically. Uh, yeah, so, so while the survival program was initiated in 2003, um, really on the basis of knowing that these added interventions at earlier points in life should have larger impacts on child development, cognitively, physically, and socioemotionally, we still need to really look at our own interventions and ensure that they're actually leading to improved development outcomes. Um, we also want to make sure that child outcomes are actually due to the program and not just due to environmental effects. So we've seen, according to World Bank data, that women in Ethiopia, for example, are increasingly receiving prenatal care. Um, numbers went up from 27% in 2000 to 43% in 2011. And mortality rates for children under five um, have dropped from 145 per 1,000 births in 2000 to 59 per 1,000 births in 2015. So those are really dramatic changes taking place in some countries indicating that there's an increasing availability of resources. We need to understand um, as compassion if our programs are having an added effect on child development um, in addition to these environmental changes. And so this is really where our team comes in to understand the effectiveness of our programs versus simply environmental effects. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really great point because you need to really be able to determine uh, right, like you said, the counterfactual. So what would have been happening had compassion not been there and what's the added benefit? Yeah, definitely. That's great. So what is it your team hopes to learn um, from the study and how would you plan on using the information to improve program effectiveness at compassion? Yeah, so our, our team really hopes to learn that, um, you know, if there is indeed an added effect uh, as a result of our programs outside of environmental factors, and then gain insight into the magnitude of that effect. Um, now, if we find large effects from our program that lends itself to really great learning on areas that we do particularly well in, um, cognitively, uh, socioemotionally, or physically, but if we find there are areas of small or no effect, we really have a new learning opportunity to, to gain insight from counterfactual uh, children and mothers about whether or not there are other resources available in the country um, that already facilitate development. Um, or if we learn from the counterfactual that there are not other resources to be tapped into, then we, then we realize that those are areas that we need to beef up our skills and tactics in order to make a larger impact. Mm -hmm. Great. So I know you mentioned a couple terms earlier that um, our audience might not be super familiar with, um, one of those being propensity score matching and just some other um, unique methods you're using in this study. So I was wondering if you could describe that for us and maybe touch on why you wanted to use it and what, what makes that a really valuable approach for you to take in this study. Yeah, so, 
So the method uses a counterfactual like we talked about earlier. And that counterfactual is um, it's confirmed through a process called propensity score matching, or PSM. Now, propensity score matching is it's a statistical method that identifies the probability of treatment among both treated and counterfactual children. So why is probability important? Um, we know historically that treatment was assigned on the basis of need, not randomly. So that means that the level of need was the criteria used to determine who entered our programs five to six years ago. This uh, criteria, um, defining the level of need, gives us insight into the probability whether a child and mother would or would not have been selected into the survival program. Now, again, since treatment took place five to six years ago, we can't use an RCT, uh, we talked about that earlier, because um, we can't go back in time. Now, mm -hmm. the benefit of the RCT is that randomized allocation of treatment uh, would facilitate a reduction in bias due to confounding variables. So propensity score matching helps us get around this hurdle by using what would be potentially confounding variables to identify comparable subgroups within our surveyed treated and counterfactual groups. So in other words, these variables help us identify the probability of treatment originally to ensure that we're really comparing subgroups that had a similar probability or, or likelihood um, of entering the programs originally. So this is, this is where a quantitative study becomes a little bit more of a a mixed methods approach um, to understand what criteria we need to use for the propensity score matching. Uh, we really need to understand the formal and informal selection criteria within each country. So while Compassion has formal selection criteria for joining the program, there's also informal selection criteria in each country based on the local context. So for example, we register children who are the poorest within our reach. Well, what does that mean? Um, in some countries, it might mean that our local partners determined a child was of enough need because maybe they didn't have windows on their house or they only owned one pair of shoes. Maybe in another country, this might be more about land ownership or possessing a legal birth certificate. Um, we learn this type of information from focus group discussions with local staff and volunteers and then we use the information in the propensity score matching model. So we add all the relevant information to the model and then end up with 20 or more variables that help determine the probability of each child's registration initially. Ah, okay, that's really interesting, and that seems like a really useful process to have in place. Yeah. yeah. So do you have any challenges um, that you could share with us or lessons learned from this study? Yeah, um, so we have two pretty big barriers that came up during the first uh, couple years of piloting the study. Um, first, uh, since this was the first quantitative study that included um, the parents of beneficiaries, we learned quite quickly that the education level of parents uh, really needed to be considered when designing our surveys. Um, because parents of beneficiaries are likely coming from lower educational backgrounds, we needed to make sure that questions were not too long or complicated for the parents to understand. And also, while parents might be able to communicate basic information in the national language, uh, we also realized that more complex questions and answers 
required that our surveys be translated further into dialects used around the country. Um, another challenge we had was uh, legitimacy of birth dates. Um, in some countries, not all birth date records are not enforced by the government, as you know. Um, so many mothers, particularly poor mothers, might still have childbirth at home um, due to traditional beliefs or preferences and not register their childbirth with the government. Um, so this served as a large obstacle for us over the past year, um, as we originally anticipated being able to use a regression discontinuity design using age and months as the continuous running variable. But since the regression discontinuity design requires that its uh, continuous running variable is untampered with, and since we could not verify all birth dates down to the month, we had to find um, another way of doing all of this. That's good. Thanks for sharing that. I mean, I think it's always good for us to learn and share like our successes, but also the challenges of really in your case, especially in, in your team's case, trying to apply a lot of rigor in the design with just real world constraints. So what are the next steps um, for you all with this study? Yeah, so um, next steps really include a final phase of piloting the study, which we're about to begin shortly, and and this will be followed up by a re-review of all of our analysis techniques um, with a couple of leading statisticians and academics in the field. Um, so after we confirm that we feel the study is ready to go, uh, we'll hopefully start implementing it in each of the partner countries um, so that we can start facilitating global learning on the effectiveness of our early childhood Great. Awesome. Well, hopefully we can round back up with you when you have some results to share with us. Thanks so much for sharing with us today, Michaela. I think it was for me, and I know I'm sure for the other listeners, too, really informative for us to just learn a little bit more about what your team is working on and the types of things you're considering and just the new and innovative studies um, that you have in the queue. And we look forward to learning more what you learn from this, hopefully later. Um, so if you wouldn't mind, can you point us to uh, Compassion's website where folks can go to just learn more about the organization and how they might be able to contact you if they have any questions um, about this study or anything else? Yeah, um, so com you can look up Compassion, uh, Compassion's website at www.compassion.com. Um, I can be contacted by email, um, my email is uh, mcochran at us.ci.org. Thank you everyone for listening in. Um, make sure to subscribe if you haven't subscribed already to this podcast and email us at ara at accordnetwork.org uh, if you have any ideas about what other great speakers we should bring on or any suggestions you have on what you'd like for us to unpack on this podcast. So thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time.